0: Hope you're having a great summer so far. We are stuck in this heat wave, and yes, it normally gets 118 degrees here, but it doesn't usually come this early. Um, of course, in the Northwest, they're getting the same temperatures that we get here all the time. For the Northwest, most of them don't have air conditioners, and I hope it's going to end soon for them. It's, it's miserable Even when you have air conditioner, we definitely have AC here, Um, but I have to get up really early to do any of the yard work or take care of the garden because by 9 o'clock it's over 100 degrees. I let the birds fend for themselves. I decided it was too hot to be filling those bird feeders and cleaning the bird feeders outside, even in the shade under the porch. It's horrible. Uh, We have a lot of feral cats, I think I mentioned, that come into the yard and now that they know where to get the birds. And so I was finding two dead birds in my yard a day. I didn't want to be cleaning that up. And so I decided to keep the bird bath. We do have a pond with a fountain. And so I am providing water for them. Please don't send me (laughs) Nasty emails um, about the birds. Yes, they can fend for themselves for food. Um, most of them have moved on. I still have the hummingbird feeders up because they're in the shade, and I don't have any problem with the hummingbirds. I think next year I'm I'm not going to do my my garden in the summer. It's too stinking hot. Anyway, yeah, we have we have AC and we have a very high electric bill. Uh, but Brian is very sick still. I appreciate prayers for Brian. Um, we're trying to get disability applied for because he hasn't been able to work. Uh, it's a lot of red tape. So if you could pray for Brian, he's he's really discouraged. But uh, we are going to have a good time, heat or no heat. Will Hess is in the house. Well, not in the house. It's he's on Zoom, but he is from the Church Split podcast. He and I both have a background. Uh, from Independent Fundamental Baptist Church. He is the first guest that I've had that is from IFB. That's what we call it. And he's going to share his story of childhood abuse growing up in the IFB and spiritual abuse he suffered, which led him to leave, just like I did. He's married with a baby. Now, his podcast is about Christian apologetics, And so you know that I love the Bible, and I'm a Bible geek, and I like having pastors on the show. I like apologetics and talking about, you know, why do we believe what we believe? What does the Bible really say about a certain topic? So I've been following him a while and invited him on the show. So we have a lot of stuff in common besides Bible and church stuff. So we'll be talking about a lot of stuff today. (laughs) You're going to love him. He is a fun guy, very interesting and knowledgeable. He really talks fast, so try and keep up, Uh, especially when he's passionate about something. So let me read his bio really quick. Will Hess is a pastor and apologetics nerd. Will wanted to start this podcast because of the church splits he had both witnessed and experienced. Having experienced firsthand division in the church over topics and issues where biblical truth was pushed aside for opinions, Will saw a need to show Christians how to use the Bible, not only to find truth, but to create unity in the church. Will loves long-form podcasts and sees Christians craving for deep discussions on topics, pushing past the surface-level arguments to truly discern what is the truth and why. What started as a fun little hobby has turned into a ministry that Will pours his heart into. Please welcome Will Hess to the show. Hey. Hey, glad to have a fellow nerd on the show. (laughs) <laughs> bible nerd sci-fi nerd computer nerd i'm a library book nerd and there's no shame
1: nerd. in that there's no shame <laughs> i have uh uh you can't see it but on this side of my office uh i have let's see i have um the crowds of Narnia. i have a D kit i have star wars up the wazoo i have a whole stack of marvel comics uh and dc comics and yeah. spawn comics uh you're in good hands <laughs> So you're DC and Marvel? I know I tried a very fine line on that. Fans don't kill me. <laughs> I do enjoy both. And I've said this before. I, I, I'm i a huge Marvel fan. Uh, Spider-Man yeah. is Spider-Man and Moon Knight are my two favorite Marvel characters. And uh, I love in DC. I'm a huge Batman fan and Nightwing. hmm Yep, and then uh, one of my favorite heroes of all time is Spawn, but nobody uh, watches Spawn anymore, listen or reads Spawn unless you're from the '90s, and I still am waiting for my movie. Mm, all well. the superhero craze—we don't have a Spawn movie. It's very upsetting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, I have I have my favorites. I mean, I was always a Superman fanatic um, back in the '80s. Um, that was my my first boyfriend was Superman. I thought I was going to marry Superman, you know, Christopher Reeve, you know, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, so I liked DC first and Wonder Woman, of course, but I do like a lot of the Marvel characters. I like Uncle Man. I Man. Like, I like them all. I like Thor. I like um, go towards Marvel more.
1: Yeah, uh, if you're in the comic books, I say all the time that DC's movies have struggled. I think everyone knows that. Uh, Marvel's movies are constantly always killing it. And even when they're bad, they're fun. Uh, So, and when, unfortunately, when DC's movies are bad, everyone suffers because they try to take themselves too seriously. And it just falls apart. But, uh, DC's comics are incredible. So, uh, for those of you who are like, I don't understand the craze about Batman, look, look up some great ones of ba- great Batman comics, and trust me, you'll have your life changed. They're, they're amazing. So, uh, yes, I am a huge, uh, huge sci-fi fan. Uh, probably the biggest Star Wars guy that I've one of the biggest harvest people i know i'm a huge guy into that so yeah i love i'm a big nerd but i also love scripture i love theology and philosophy so i am all over the board on this pretty much i'm the kid that no one wanted to talk to on the playground because i'm weird
0: (laughs) yeah i should well my uh my stargate that's in my living room and my my zpm from stargate and we are binging stargate right now again for the umpteenth time so yeah Will and i have a lot of commonalities here. Uh, we're going to have some fun today. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we have an outline, but that might be thrown off. You know, Outlines side. Are optional. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen on the show, but you are the first IFB guest. I have been out of that pond since 2008. My podcast is, you know, for evangelicals in general. You know, I've managed to stay off the IFB preachers. I've managed to stay <laughs> off their radar so far, but, uh, they might change now that you're on the show. Uh, <laughs> we'll find uh, out. Yeah. So everybody knows I don't call people out on the show. I don't call abusers out. I don't want them doing a Google search under their name and finding their name on my show. Um, <laughs> everybody that's listened to my podcast, it's my ministry is about healing. And I definitely support people like Recovering Fundamentalist podcast and Preacher Boys and Will from the church split um, who are called to expose people. That's just not what I'm focused on.
1: Right. And I think, and you know, I talked about this in our pre-discussion, but Mm -hmm. I think it's important we have a place for people to go where they are searching for healing from abuse. I'm an, uh, an abuse victim myself. Um, and I think it would have been valuable for me to have a place where I could learn in a healthy way how to cope with my abuse. And you know, then there's what we do, you know. I I say regularly, you know, the church split, people hear that, and people have wondered. Uh, my stepmom actually got asked, Is that a sad shirt when she wearing our church split? Somebody <laughs> asked her if it was a sad shirt. I'm like, I don't know if a shirt can be sad, but uh, and because it sounds like somebody's leaving church, and that's the idea. I started it when I was a pastor and I went through a church split due to some biblical topics that happened in the church. And I noticed how nasty Christians treated each other. And after leaving, uh, coming from the independent fundamental Baptist world, I was shocked, uh, at how people keep acting in the church. So I realized that there comes a point in time when you have to talk about these divisive issues. Um, and not because you want to be divisive, but because you actually want unity and also to show the fact you can have healthy discussions and disagreements without killing each other. And that's perfectly fine. And so that's what I feel called to do—to call out false teachers, but also to discuss divisive issues in a kind, loving, biblical way, and also have some cut-up fun with it. Like sometimes people get on the show and they miss—they misplace my humor. But I'm sarcastic and stuff, and it's not because I'm trying to be nasty, <laughs> but I'm just that way. And you know, but anyway, anyway, it's important that there's a there's a place for everybody on that. So I—I don't know—I was your first IFB guest, and mm-hmm. so I now feel extremely honored, and yet terrified
0: <laughs> well brian edwards i i asked him first brian if you're listening you need to answer your emails
1: <laughs> that'll never happen <laughs> uh he uh he always talks about he has like 600 600 unread texts and i'm like i that the amount of notifications that are unlooked at gives me stress just thinking about it i i can't handle that i wouldn't be able to do it so But
0: we're glad glad you're on the show.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I was not born IFB. I was saved into it. I was saved when I was 13, but I didn't get baptized into IFB church until I was 18. That's because I I was raised Catholic and my parents would not let me go to an IFB church where my cousins went and they took my Bible away from me. And so I always thought when... When I was going to college and I got into IFB culture, I always thought, "Boy, it sure would have been cool to be raised raised in the Baptist church." And kind of felt like, "Okay, I was raised kind of worldly. I had a good upbringing, very moralistic upbringing, but um, my parents are not evangelical." And, um, but now that I hear all you guys' stories, the people that have been born into IFB and what you guys went through, I'm like, you know, I'm really grateful for my, my family. They're not perfect, but they were good parents. They, they gave me a sense of right and wrong. Um, I went to Catholic school, till I was in the fourth grade. Uh, My dad made sure that we went to church and we, we knew what sin was, we knew what I knew who Jesus was. I knew he died on the cross for me. And, you know, so I had that moralistic upbringing and I had a a regular childhood and regular teenage years. Yeah, I look back and I'm like thankful that I didn't go through what some of you guys went through. So you were born into an IFB family. So tell us, what was it like growing up for you?
1: that's a very broad topic and a very broad question and I'll yeah. try to squeeze it in um, yeah
0: you came from an abusive home you mentioned when yes. your sister was on your show so maybe share what you're comfortable sharing yeah about no that. Uh,
1: I'm an open book I'm there's are no secrets with me about myself Um Actually, that was a—that's a whole other story for another time. But one of the big things I had, which was one of the biggest problems I had with the IFB church. So, for those of you who aren't familiar with the IFB culture, IFB culture is what we would call uh, hyper-legalistic. They're very much on. Um, appearances, they're very big on, uh, weird behaviors, right? Like music can't have drums. And if you do that, you're worldly and you're a sinner. If you dress a certain way, if you don't wear, if you wear jeans to church, uh, girls, if you don't wear, uh, uh skirts and dresses, you got a problem. So very, it is very appearance focused and appearance driven. And everyone showed up to church, put on their little church fat face, and they would act a certain way at church and act super holy. And basically what you feel like you just popped into, um, an old school church from Little House on the Prairie in the 1930s or something when you go into an IFB church a lot of times. Or the so Twilight like, Zone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you walked in and suddenly you went through this time vortex and you're like, I'm in the 1920s. Uh, and it's it's a very weird uh, thing because each IFB is a little bit different than the other. And so when I was raised in that, uh, for actually the reason why I became an open book was I realized I was so ash- like ashamed almost or embarrassed about my history and I didn't wanna deal with the baggage of it. So I oftentimes wanna talk about it. But then I realized when uh, we were told to bear one another's burdens, that I can't expect to bear someone else's burdens of their pain and their suffering, their difficulties in life if I'm not willing to share mine. So I had to become comfortable with sharing my story. And then it was amazing how many people opened up to me and it created opportunity. Mm-hmm. So um, with that being said, back to what I said with the IFP, being raised in it, it was difficult because uh, the IFB. A lot of times, it's emphasized with men to be strong and overbearing and just, you know, you keep the yeah. I'm a man's man. I chop trees down with my bare hands. I kill bears in my <laughs> shaving kit. Yeah, that whole thing. And uh, so, <laughs> like you, it was so intense as as men. But what's funny is that they inf- they are very hierarchical. And I'm not saying hierarchy is bad. I think hierarchy brings order and structure. But we all know too much of an emphasis on hierarchy creates almost like a, almost like an authoritarian state. Mm-hmm. Uh, too much emphasis of that and not on our similarities. So anything out of balance could cause problems. So with that, I was probably lorded over more so than most boys my age. I was actually extremely introverted. I was very unconfident. You introverted? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know everyone says that. <laughs> I would not leave my room. I would play Legos, read Star Wars stuff, and that I'm mean, my sci-fi world. That's where my love for sci-fi began because it was a way for me to escape all the stuff I was going through at the time. It was escapism. So when I was going through all this and it was being lorded over me, and what happens is that it's it it like snuffs out your confidence so what was happening is that men act like this but don't you dare act out of line you're a boy but don't you dare act out of line like all the other men so what ends ends up happening is that over time i had zero confidence and i was just being beat down and i couldn't do anything i mean if i did anything if i sneezed wrong it was Mm -hmm. a problem i remember one time a kid in youth group asked me what Bible reference did the pastor say? And I re- 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 leaned over, and said like Romans eight or something. And I got smacked in the back of the head and told to shut up and not talk in church by mm-hmm. an old lady in the church. Um, I distinctly also remember uh, being told that, you know, my iPad had a lot of disappointing music on it. Um, and it's weird because here's what's funny. I was I was raised IFB, but my family did not live it out at home. So we would go to the IFB church and we would put on the smiles. We'd put on the ties. My girl, sister would put on her dress. Yeah. Act all pretty. And then on the, before we went to church, perhaps my parents got in a big fight, slapped each other around. I, one day before church, I would distinctly remember my dad got angry um, at me and I started talking back because he was flying off the handle. And he grabbed my throat and punched me in the face. Oh. Um, and then what do you do? Well, my parents had to go to teach Sunday school. So we had to go back to church that morning oh, and teach Sunday school. So I'm going to church. And what I'm experiencing is your appearance, your appearance, your appearance, your appearance. Um, you know, or you, or you want to play an orchestra? Where's your tie today? Uh, every little thing every possible mm-hmm. thing that could be nitpicked i can't even possibly describe the amount of things that were nitpicked another fun story was i was dating a, a girl at, at at the time and again my parents didn't live this so we still watched normal movies at home we'd play video games at home um uh, but we are king jane's onlyest and then my dad's like also wouldn't allow rock music but we could listen to country none of it made sense trust me no. guys <laughs> trust me I get it. And that, that, uh, my brain was always spinning because I could never figure out which way was up. You said you had a moralistic upbringing. Mine was morally confusing. Mm. Um, so, because all well, oh, abuse is bad. Meanwhile, we did foster care and I watched my mom grab a six-year-old girl and drag her by her hair through a rock garden because she was angry mm. at her and she was six. Um, I'm telling you like horribly abusive home. Mm. And uh, my sister pleaded for my father's life uh, at, as he loaded a revolver and locked himself in a room and was going to say he was going to shoot mom and himself and just be done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, to tell you about my the, how dark I was at the time, I was okay with it. My sister's crying and begging for his life, and I just remember sitting there going, hmm, I wonder if he's going to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I kind of had hoped he would, because it would, for me, I was like, "It will just end it. You know? Um, and that's terrible. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be depressing.
0: I, I understand where you're coming from, because I went through the same thing my ex-husband Tried to shoot, mm. shoot himself, and I had those same thoughts go into my head.
1: Which so. and it's and it's yeah, it you is think horrible. About it, you
0: think yeah. you think you're a terrible human, but
1: yeah, and you know, even looking back, I'm like wow, well, that was a dark place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as, if you know me, that's not my how I am, but I am kind of naturally cynical. I think because of a lot of the stuff I've experienced. Um, so anyway, uh, so what happened is I that's my home environment. Then I go to church. And I was nitpicked to death. Uh, Like I said, I was dating this one girl. We went on a mission trip to uh, uh, New Mexico. This is one of the many appearance-focused things that blew out of proportion. Well, the missionary and the um, youth pastor on our final night, they went out for dinner and they were like, all right, teens, we're gonna leave you here. Uh, but boys, you can only go be alone in the basement, uh, girls, you can be on this side of the house. The only place you guys can be in mixed company is right here in the living area. And the living area was combined with the kitchen. Cause you know, how sometimes you have the kitchens and those apartments that seamlessly enter the living area. And then the living area seamlessly entered into the balcony and it was New Mexico. It was a beautiful night. So we were in and out of the kitchen, the balcony and the living area. Cause that's all part of the living area. We came back and me and the girl, my girlfriend and all of our friends were hanging out on the balcony. And, uh, when they, the youth pastor and then we got back, everyone left the balcony to go, so, uh, socialize inside. So it left me and my girlfriend just hanging out on the balcony. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we we just were talking, it was no big deal. And then suddenly the youth pastor's wife busts in and she starts screaming at us that we are deliberately disobeying, that we're an appearance of evil, that is making it look like we're trying to get away so we could go do things like sexually. And I'm like, the balcony is connected to the living room and the door to the balcony is a window like a yeah. big window like i mean i'm bold but i'm not that bold you know man you <laughs> weren't making out on the balcony exactly and it was that sort of thing all the time i mean if you were even if you just happen to find yourself alone in a room with a girl in the church all of a sudden you're going to yell that about appearance of evil i got told appearance of evil all the time so being raised in the ifb was really difficult and because again it was all so much focus on your appearance and controlling every little part of your life. Then I went home and it was pure chaos. One day, my mom finally got arrested for child abuse. And my mm-hmm. youth pastor and his wife just happened to show up probably about 15 minutes after the arrest took place. I helped the officers hold my mom down uh, as a handcuffed and I was about 14. Wow. And they showed up after I just finished handwriting my police report about my abusive mom. And my youth pastor was like, Oh my goodness, are you guys okay? And he left. And then they never followed up. The church went back to jumping down me and my brother's throat about our appearances and how we're behaving here and there. And I'm like, You know what's going on at home, and you're worried about my tie. You, you're, or you're worried that we talked to a girl, and you know mm-hmm. what's going on at home, but you're not doing your due diligence. And in fact, one day my dad uh, got violence with me again, and I snapped. I was 16. And I snapped and I gave him two black eyes, a broken nose and a concussion. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Like suddenly it just a flip switched and I just went AWOL. And then what ended up happening is that the pastor came over because he, the police all knew our house at this point. So did the pastor. Pastor came over and then he told me how I was disrespectful to my dad. And he's like, uh, you, you should never hit your father. I never would have hit my father. I'm like, did your father ever hit you? Like, have you ever been in that position? Um, You know, I've seen my brother uh, get almost ran over by the car from my mom and stuff like that. I was like, you don't know what's going on here. And you're going to seriously tell me not to do that with my dad when I'm self-preservation at this point. And you guys know what's going on, but you're not doing anything. So that was my IFB experience where I, so I was for my youngest years, I was almost emasculated. I was not wanting to deal with, I, I had zero confidence. I was scared of everything. I was scared to step out of line, to breathe wrong, sneeze wrong. Uh, didn't matter what I did. And it was, whether it was wrong found in it. And when I'd ask why that thing was wrong, all I would get was a vague thing. Like it's worldly or it's appearance of evil. Like these seemed to get arbitrary because that's an mm-hmm. appearance of evil. But if we're out witnessing and I witnessed to a girl, you wouldn't consider that an appearance of evil. But suddenly what? Like I couldn't yeah. peg it down. So that was my interesting beginning of my journey. And I got to the point where I hated church. Um, I wouldn't say I hated God, but I stopped caring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was like, okay, I believe God's real, but I really could care less anymore. Uh, I hated being at home. So mm-hmm. I lived in a very bitter, sad state for a while.
0: Yeah, that's part of um, trauma.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your response to trauma.
1: Yep. So... Um, I guess that's where this monster before you was born because I say all the time that because of all the fighting I've been through, I feel almost more comfortable in a fight than out of one. Hmm. So, and I don't know, someone could say that's some weird psychological response, but I, I think it's honestly God equipping me to be able to do the ministry we do now.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you do you did have a genuine faith in the Lord. I mean, when did you genuinely come to know the
1: Lord? Uh 17. I I made a profession of faith when I was like six, but I don't know. I just didn't want to go to hell because that's the other thing. IFB is very is all fear tactics. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's all about avoiding hell. And what was never emphasized was the idea that God. It's not that that's the fact that there's hell. It's this idea that God loves you. He's trying to save you. He not not only did he send his son for you, but you're made in his image. You're valuable. And that's a huge thing to understand the fact that the creator of the universe saw the world and said, it needed you in order for my plan to come to fruition. And when I realized his love for me, so what happened was, okay, so all this garbage is happening. Then I started doing things that was wrong, right? I started going out partying, making really poor decisions, Mm -hmm. uh, making bad friends, doing bad things, because I was being accused of doing bad things all the time. So I finally said, okay, well, if I'm going to be treated like I'm a criminal, I may as well be one. And so, <laughs> uh, which is terrible logic, but I mean, whatever. I was an angsty teenager, and what happened is I made a per- I messed with my personal life. I made a- my home life was already a mess. My church life was a mess. So everything's a mess. And I opened up my Bible, and I was just desperately seeking at this point. I wanted truth, and I just happened to land on John 14, which is the whole part of. I go to prepare a place for you. If you ask any of my name, anything in my name, I will do it. I love you is what that entire passage was saying to me. Mm, amen. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, I cannot tell you where it's like, I saw my sin for what it was, but not just that it was gross, but that there was somebody who loved me so much and I was living in rebellion and saying, I, I was going for second best. Uh, Trying to do it my way instead of his way. And so I completely surrendered to God that night, 17 years old. And it was that moment I also knew that I was uh, going to be in ministry. I just knew it. And at that point I became determined to know what the Bible really said. Cause I was being told all this stuff all the time by the church. And I, it just never seemed to make logical sense to me. Cause I'm a linear logic person. Mm, yeah. Um, but it was very confusing. Cause when you're being gaslit all the time that you are the problem, there's not really a problem except for you. It was hard to make sense of it all. And at that night, clarity began. Um, then I went to uh, yeah um you know I, as you can see uh i went to bible college i went to an ifb school i went to crown college and fair haven for a while and when i was there i just kept running into more and more of that legalistic stuff i figured it was maybe just my church right maybe my church is that way but the independent baptists have got it right is what i figured oh the college
0: uh, college is crazy
1: oh yeah way worse way worse so yeah that's when i started really challenging everything studying more and uh now, Here I sit, you know, with, and I'm no longer an independent Fundamental Baptist at all in my identification. So, anyway,
0: you think that IFB is a cult?
1: I wholeheartedly believe that IFB is a cult, Um, and I know that's a hot take. I'm going to get some flack for that. Um, Oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and I would say I, I wouldn't say every single IFB fits this description i'll always allow for grace for the interlopers but i'm talking about i'm talking about the rule not the exception Uh, right
0: yeah the church i was baptized in they they are really they weren't weird at all and i would probably go be in the church if i lived still lived in that area but yeah Yeah.
1: So one of the things that the reason why, and I say, I I define cult, I mean, there's the bite model, which I have always found to be interesting, but I feel like the bite model is too broad as well, that a lot basically any church could fit into it to some degree or other, because it does tell you what to do, right? The church is about God's moral law. So you are going to, you do have to subscribe to that to some degree. But one of the biggest things for me in a cult is the idea of fear, power, and information control. And so we'll, we got the power, and we'll intimidate you into saying that you will lose your status or you'll lose your relationships or you'll lose whatever if you don't follow these prerequisites. And we're also going to control every little bit of your thought process. And if you if you think differently, we're going to label you as something terrible. And, again, we'll ostracize you. I was ostracized in my church for a while. Um, I got, quote, unquote, church disciplined, as they put it. Um yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is if you ever really want somebody to go over the deep end, completely ostracize them from your church to see what happens. Right. So, uh, anyway, it was, so yeah, it's when you're controlling people's thoughts and it's information control that this one person or this top untouchable thing is the authority. And there's nothing you can say to that one person who's above it. So either the pastor or a board or board or like, um, with the Jehovah's witness, when it's the watchtower. Creates all the dictate dictates for everybody else. Uh, you know, that's kind of my idea where it's like, if it's from the top down and you cannot question at all, and if you dis- disagree in one area and it becomes a problem, you, you might want to think, start thinking second guessing whether or not you're in a cult.
0: Yeah, it's and never I, about the fundamentals of the faith. Correct. It's about all these side
1: issues. Right, which actually gets into the next part of your question uh, where you said there's a specific culture in the IFB that is different than Orthodox Christianity. You know, we talked about that dress music movies, dating and marriage. And when you look at Orthodox Christianity, the first five creeds, for example, were mostly about Christology, who is Christ and Mm -hmm. our identity with him and his identity. And the IFB turns it into what is the, uh, what is the perception of your identity? Mm -hmm. You know, it's about, it's about what we could perceive, you know, well, what if somebody saw you doing that? And you know, what, what do you think? If Christ came back right now, what would he think about what you're doing? And the weird things like that, which is such a weird thing to say. It's like, well, if are you trying to shame me in what I'm doing? Like, you know, well, will I was told, like, watching Star Wars and doing sci-fi stuff. Well, is that something you really want to be doing when Christ returns? I'm like, well, I don't really want to be – there's a lot of things I'd rather not be doing when Christ returns. Like, what if I ate Taco Bell that day? <laughs> you know? like, Yeah. You know, um, anyway, I find that, uh, so anyway, the point is there is that there's a lot of differences and, uh, they have, I, the IFB has strayed away from their very name, the fundamental part, the fundamental Baptist about the fundamentals, and right. they do not care about the fundamentals. You can affirm virgin birth, uh, the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation through faith alone, uh, you know, the blood atonement, you can affirm the fundamentals, but if you disagree with them on King James only as a music, whatever, you're not part of it so you're not really fundamentalist anymore you're not about the fundamentals you're about other extra issues from the fundamentals and my biggest thing is at least be honest about it
0: <laughs> yeah you
1: know? so anyway
0: well we were talking a little bit about college and you you've got a story about how you met your wife and, and about the oh, dating process you have to talk about that
1: <laughs> i'll look back at it and i'm like i so if i didn't meet my wife and my best friend uh that i have so i have two be- best friends i'm gonna get flack if i don't give them both the knowledge of brian Bodie, who is my co-host on the church split yes and then andrew Fittis who's been on the church split but uh not the church not he's not part of the team we like him to be but he's busy mm-hmm. um But so I got, you'll get flack. So if I didn't meet Andrew, and if I didn't meet my wife, Callie, I would say pretty much my entire Bible college career was a big waste of time, except for the fact where because of these experiences I'm going to talk about here, they challenged me and they grew me, they made me stronger, and they made me uh, what I would say allowed me to become a theological force. Uh, And I'm not saying that because I'm amazing. I'm just saying when you experience extreme pressure, something eventually happens. Yes. Either you break down and you start weeping and you become depressed and broken, or suddenly this rage comes inside you where you rise above it and you oh, fight sh- back. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. I just started fighting back. So a couple things before we get into the story of my wife is I, there's a, there was a definitely a dynamic at the school as far as, uh, what's the word, um, status was concerned. So I was in the deaf ministry, and my sister, uh, who has been on the show, and my brother-in-law, who's part of our team here, uh, he helps with um, back-end stuff. And sometimes on TikTok, he does some stupid, he does <laughs> funny little skits. But uh, for the church split, anyway. But which they were known—they got like the first deaf ministry award. I mean, my sister and brother-in-law were known at Crown College, and uh, I won't talk much about my experience at Fairhaven just because they are a certain level of crazy. But actually. Um, I got along with them just fine. Like they didn't like hunt me down and treat me like dirt. It was just more like okay. the snottiness from the kid, from the students themselves. And mm-hmm. just observing what was said behind the pulpit that I was like, yeah, I'm not going to make it here. So I left after my first semester. So it was really crown was my full experience. So Melinda and Drew were really known at crown. And, um, then I show up and it was, Ooh, will, huh. but my sister, <laughs> if you will go to our, uh, if you go to the interview, you'll know bought into the IFB hook, line, and sinker because to her it brought stability uh, from our abusive home. For me, I was there because I knew nothing else, but start, I disagreed with a lot of the dumb things that were emphasized, but I didn't know anything else, so I stayed within because I just was like, I'll change it from within and show them the right way. Uh, no, but, uh, what ended up happening was for my first two weeks, I went to a frozen yogurt place with some guy, some friends. And in the IFB, you cannot be alone out, uh, with girls. You yeah. always, have, if, if it's a date, you have to have a third, um, uh, which is actually why I think a lot of people have failed marriages in the IFB as well, because they never got to know each other privately. They only no. got to know each other in social environments, but then also, uh, these, so I went out, and there's a bunch of the friends from school that were girls at the same frozen yogurt place. And I did what a friendly person does, which is I said hi, which is the Biggest thing you don't do, apparently. Hi. <laughs> hey, how you doing? I sat down, talked, to, was talking for a little bit, just talking to my friends. Well, the vice president secretary pulled in and saw a couple of crown student boys talking to some crown student girls alone. And we had security called on us. I got pulled into the Dean of Students office the next day and got raked over coals. And I was, you know, I was just, okay, so what do you expect me to do when I see my friends out and about? Like, not say hi? That seems rude. We're all part of the body of Christ. Shouldn't we not fellowship? And they just told me basically shut up. And I was like, okay. So um, another one was they didn't like where I worked i and i ended up getting a job at hollister just as one of their people on the sales floor um when you're when you're when i moved out of state to tennessee from michigan and i needed the first job i could get i was out shopping for some clothes for school um walked in and they offered me a job on the spot and i was like yeah sure that's better than nothing oh
0: you have a pulse you want a job
1: yeah i don't want (laughs) done uh, Uh, I was told that I couldn't, I was eventually pulled into the Dean of Students office, I was told I could not work there because they support homosexuality, that they sell Mm. immodest clothes, that they have worldly music, and they have a sexualized atmosphere. So I was merely honest and asked the Dean of Students, I was like, well, don't we have students that work at Walmart? They sell that music. They sell that same music, They, because he was asking me how I did not see it as a problem. Um, and I was like, well, Walmart, if we have students that work there, they sell alcohol, they sell cigarettes, they sell the same music, they sell the same type of clothes, yeah. um, maybe just less quality, and they also support mm-hmm. homosexuality. All the things that you're saying against Hollister, you can say against Walmart, and plus some if you're going by the IFB culture.
0: And yeah, they're
1: crooked. And, yeah. <laughs> And they were like, well, we just believe that that's more of a family-friendly atmosphere. I'm like, well, what what makes it family-friendly? And so we went back and forth, and they made me quit. And I call out the hypocrisy here because here's the thing. If you do not put in your two-weeks notice at Crown, you would uh, get 50 demerits. You would get, like, slammed for it because they wanted great testimony and reputation amongst Crown students. So that way other Crown students can work there. But he was like, you need to call your boss right here, right now, and quit – Otherwise, um, you, you know, we're going to have to talk about your tenure here. And sure so I was like, but if I don't put in two weeks notice, isn't that, he's like, oh, that's only for approved workplaces. But then I told him, I was like, well, I have a job interview at Express. And if you guys are familiar with Express, it's just like metro uh like just metro style Hollister right it's yeah. high-end fashion and they're like oh that's an approved workplace I was like what no, no. so anyway <laughs> end up having to quit there and then one more story just to give you the backstory of what this is like my grandfather had passed away likely unsaved um and I needed to go up to the funeral so I went in and I was like hey uh doctor so-and-so the dean of students I was like I just want to you know my grandfather passed um I got to go to Michigan for the funeral. He goes, "Well, when's the funeral?" I was like, "It's Friday," and I think today was like a, that day was like a Monday, and I was like, "Yeah." So I plan to leave uh, Wednesday because it's a twelve-hour trip. I was going to w- travel Wednesday, be there Thursday, help set up, and then travel back over the weekend. And he goes, and he literally smiles instead of going, "I am so sorry for your loss. Are you, are you with the family okay?" Nothing like that. He just smiles was a little smirk. He goes, "That's not how this works." I went, well, what do you mean? That's not how this works. He goes, when's the funeral? I said, Friday. And he goes, okay, so I'll give you Thursday to travel there, Friday for the funeral, and Saturday to travel back.
0: You're playing for the plane ticket?
1: Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I not have to drive. You know, I'm a poor college student. I have to drive. And I was like, well, no, I have to leave Wednesday so I can help set up for the funeral. I'm one of the few young guys in the family. So I was going to be there to support my mom who lost her dad and, you know, all that. And it's like, no, Miss Ress, this is the way it is. And I was like, I just told him, I was, <laughs> I was like, I wasn't asking your permission. I'm telling you what's happening. Yep. I will see you Monday. And I left and I got 10 demerits for everything I missed. I mean, I miss every class, every chapel, every ministry. I came back, my mailbox exploded of demerit slips. I had like 130 so demerits. Stupid. Yeah. Um, anyway, I mean, uh, wow. so uh, then finally, so this is the... The, the treatment I had, no matter what I did, was wrong again there. Um, so many stories, so many stories. And one time I accidentally shaved, buzz cut my head because there was a haircut accident. And I was told I couldn't interpret for the deaf because I had a buzz cut and I was against the code. I did it anyway and because that's what I was known for. So I was known from all this, you're getting the idea, I was known as a rebel. My wife was known as the golden child in the deaf ministry as well. She was like the a deaf minister, minister's assistant the whole night. So uh, when we started dating, my wife is Korean, and uh, there's actually a rule at Crown College about interracial dating. That if you are interracially dating, you need permission from both parents and a statement from your both your pastors. So it's a very racist rule, and uh, of course, again, I was raised in IFB. I was told interracial marriage is a problem, no matter you know, and it was. But here's let's be honest: in the IFB, it was more to keep whites from marrying the blacks and uh but whites could date latinos or asians and you could, all those could intermingle but once you got the super white people and super black people then that was the problem and mm-hmm. uh so again no consistency there and i never really cared as you could tell up to this point about the rules i just was over it because i couldn't keep them straight anyway none of it made any sense i would literally sit down in the dean and students and go can you show me a chapter and verse about this yep <laughs> So, and he would get ticked because you can't. And he'd say, well, the administration says, I was like, I don't care what the administration says. This is a Bible college. And he'd say, well, we're your spiritual authority here. And I said, no, you're not. And the pastor here doesn't even know my name. So you can't say you're my spiritual authority when you don't even know my name. Okay.
0: It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was... bad. Well, everybody, we're just going to have to do a part two on this episode. I I knew that we were going to, hit it off really great, and that Will was going to provide some awesome content. He has a lot more to share, and we're going to continue this conversation next week, so be sure to come back. So in the meantime, please remember that you are no longer a victim. You are victorious. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.